With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Tip Tree, Hull Beach, Pinchbeck, Tarrington St. Clement, Thetford Forest. It's 10 p.m. This is Norfolk Nights with Alan Partridge. How would you like to be disposed of when you're dead? We're taking letters and emails on that tonight, uh, starting with a, a letter from Mike, who's 24. He'd like to be buried in a large satin-lined coffin with a couple of paints, three stunners. Uh, they're alive, he says. I'm not reading this. Um, well, another letter here from Susan from Spixworth. Uh, she said she'd like her ashes to be scattered in a nice field or meadow. That's the kind of thing we want. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, we're also taking emails uh, on the big question, what happens after we die? Uh, Frederick emails to say he has four children, he is the proud father of a new baby boy, Joshua, and his daughter, Susan Five, has just started school, and he thinks that after death, there is nothing. Good evening and welcome to the Ball Over Podcast, the only rugby podcast that gives you all the news, views and opinion on the weekend's rugby action, all with a West Country accent. You can find us on Twitter, we are at Mall Over Podcast, we are Mall Over Rugby Podcast on Facebook. You can find all of our content as well as lots of other rugby related stuff on ruck.co.uk, so make sure you check those guys out. Uh, we're a weekly rugby podcast that focuses mainly on the Premiership and, and English rugby, as well as obviously international stuff, um, but this week... We've got something slightly different. I'm joined by one of the regulars, Ben. How you doing, mate? Yeah, I'm all right. Thanks, mate. Good, good. Did you catch up with the semis at the weekend? I hope you hope you did. Yeah, I watched both. Otherwise, this could be a very, very yeah, short, short podcast. Um, usually, we're joined by uh, Phil, the houseboy's favourite, the you know the eye candy of the podcast, apparently, um, who was plugging the podcast on BBC Radio Five Live last week. Did you Did you hear that, Ben? I did. Yeah, he did a good job. He did out of a job. Yeah. Um, we had a. We, it's so much so we. I think off the back of it, we made it into the the chart of 
rugby podcasts across the whole of iTunes into the top 10 above Egg Chasers and Blood and Mud and all those sorts of guys. Um, there might have been an algorithm issue, but, you know, I'm having it. I'm taking it. It's there in black and white. It's fact. Um, the other one that's not here tonight is the Chinese Lensman, unfortunately. Um, he is loving life at 50 over cricket at the moment um, and will be for the foreseeable future, I think. So uh, I hopefully we'll, we'll see him next week for, for the post-final reaction. Um, talking of charts and the top of the tree, we have a couple of special guests tonight to help us review the semi-finals and look forward to the Premiership final. Um, two of the stars of the uh, at hashtag Rugby United uh, accounts. That's uh, at Rugby Saracens. That's James. Good evening. Good evening, Russ. Good evening, Ben. And at Rugby X. Is it at Rugby X Chiefs? Yeah, Rugby X Chiefs. Not to be well, confused with the other Chiefs. Yeah, that's right. Welcome back, Heather. <laughs> yeah, good to be here. Yeah, it's good to have you both back with us. Obviously, we uh, we caught up with you pre-season where you were both entirely confident of being in this position. Um, it was never in doubt, was it, that these two teams were going to get to the final, James? I think it was, well, it was always in some doubt. Um, I mean, it's been a really competitive season, particularly um, you know, at, at all levels um, across the season this year. Um, you know, you've, got, you've got to win the games to get there. It doesn't matter what it looks like on paper. And uh, just really pleased that Saracens have made it and up against um, Exeter, making it a pretty um, massive final. Yeah. And for Exeter, Heather, who've spent most of the season on top of the tree by quite a margin, really, obviously um, affected by international call ups and stuff. Were you expecting there to be quite such a big margin at the top of the league, you know, after 22 games? Uh, No, not at all. I think the season's been really tight this year and the top four was so hard to call and yeah Exeter did a great job to qualify so early I mean we kind of dropped off a little bit once we knew we qualified so I think perhaps that wasn't the best thing for us but managed to manage to stick at the top which is great great to finish top but still one more very important game to go absolutely and Ben we've been we've been talking about these two teams all season um other teams have have come and gone now so it would seem obviously Gloucester um were pretenders at the Allianz on Saturday and Northampton managed to just squeeze in to the other semi-final spot, both having great seasons themselves. Um, any other notable mentions from you? What, in the league? I'd say Worcester, I think. I think they might probably favourites to go down at the start of the year and they were pretty comfortable by the end of it. I mean, they were um, all pretty comfortable, weren't they? Obviously, other than... Uh, other than Newcastle, as it transpired, I mean, what one thing is for certain, Newcastle went down with the second most amount of points that any team has ever accumulated. I think they had 30 points or 31 points. And it was only Newcastle themselves that went down with 32 points previously. So they can count themselves pretty unlucky that in a season where other teams have managed to find a way to, to beat each other, they, they found themselves beaten out. Okay, um, let's talk a little bit about the semi-finals. Then let's start in the early game at uh, at the Allianz. James looked like a great atmosphere, lovely day in uh, in North West London, Northish London. Yeah, yeah, Northish uh, yeah, London. It, it was lovely. Um, Gloucester, Gloucester fans are great. Yeah, they're brilliant to have uh, traveling up as well. Traveled in big numbers. 
made it um, you know a good good crowd, good good very loud. Uh, they had the fireworks going and um, making a mosaic in the, um, the stands with cards and lots of shouting, lots of cheering. And um, you know it started off pretty hair raising with um, Gloucester Cry really early on, um, but um, a bit like with the Leinster game, didn't Saris didn't sort of let it bother them too much and actually scored themselves within about a minute, I think it was, or two minutes yeah. of the uh, Gloucester Cry. And then um, I think it was 30-odd points or 30 or more points without conceding again. And then just it sort of steamrolled them. It was almost, for Gloucester, they scored almost too early. Is that yeah. possible, Ben, that they scored too early? They, they really angered the beast right for the first minute. Yeah, don't poke a bear with a stick, is it? I think that... <laughs> I I don't know. It just seemed um, they just didn't they didn't really turn up after that first few minutes, you know. And you've you've got to be completely on your game to have a chance against Saracens, and it it just didn't happen. They were just completely overmatched. It I I, I thought BT really oversold the Cipriani factor before the game. Mm. I know it's kind of you know they had to talk up Gloucester, but. You know, it was all about Cipriani and all these clever moves he was going to run. And it, I just, I tweeted at the time, he's going to spend 75% of his time trying to tackle really big guys because they were always going to come right down his channel. Mm. And Saracens just, just did it. And, you know, Billy and Atoje just stepped right up again mm. and, and everyone else kind of followed them over. And, you know, although Gloucester scored a couple of tries, it was... It was pretty late. I mean, I think Alex Goode was about three pints of Guinness in by the time Foster <laughs> scored again. <laughs> I mean, it was, in, it was interesting to see the, the late tries. And that's, I think, where Mark McCall said he wasn't happy with the performance um, because, you know, let, letting those tries in, um, but it also shows, I guess, the high standards. And you know you've got to raise it another step to play Exeter in the final because um, they looked massively impressive as well. Um, but I think Skelton was, pretty, uh, was brilliant as well. Tompkins coming on for Barrett. So I got a bit worried when Barrett went off. Um, he's a bit of a terminator. So, you know, for him to go off, you're sort of always getting a bit worried. But then Tompkins came on and just exceptional player. You know, he's, he's sort of 100th appearance for Saracens and yet sort of a bit of an overnight success. You know, um, he's um, came on, got, gets a hat-trick. It's an incredible performance. It, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't associate Nick Tompkins with having 100 Saracens before. So he kind of crept up on it a little bit. And, you know, that must have been a, a big worry for Saracens when, uh, when Barrett went off, especially as he's probably doubtful for the final now. Yeah, I mean, it, it, always, it always feels safer having Brad in the team. Um, you know, because he is that sort of defensive rock and all that sort of stereotypes. Um, the, the press conference today said that uh, Mark McCall said he's looking possible to play at the weekend, which is better than earlier in the in the week when we thought he was definitely out. Um, so he might be back um, on Saturday. We'll see. I don't know if they're going to play it right to the last minute on that one. They they defended his channel really well, though I thought because um, both. Cipriani and Atkinson, they just flooded the space around them. So they had nowhere to pass, you know, long passes or offloads. Mm. They had nowhere to go. So they were having to either go really far back or or just sort of die with the ball. And I, I thought that was one of the areas where Saracens played it quite cleverly. They used that line speed to cut their two distributors out of the game. And they... Um... 
Sorry, I mean, Gloucester made a lot of errors in that first half as well, didn't they? They were almost their own worst enemy at times, trying to play, um, I say too much rugby, but they found themselves with the wrong guys in the wrong positions at the wrong times. I think there was a point, I think it might have been Balmain, who who picked the ball, he had it in just outside the 22. They had like a two or, two or three man overlap outside. And a floated pass would have would have sent in probably Marshall, and he he more than likely would have got there. Um, but instead, he trucked it up, and then it was turned over right there, and, and it almost seemed a bit of a seminal moment that you know Gloucester could have got themselves back into it after the early score and then shipping two tries themselves. Um, but every time they had the opportunity, Saracens just just shut them down. And and there was a interception by Goode, wasn't there, just before yeah. half time, which you know, that was very good fullback play because he doesn't matter how good you are, you can't tackle three people. So yeah. one way or another you've got to stop the ball getting there and and that's exactly what he did. That was def- definitely a sigh of relief at that point from the, the crowd when Good picked that off because that was a definite try. And so somehow he managed to get up in the air and pick it off. So yeah, that was really lucky. And then ran it back up again. I mean yeah. he, Good was Good again was exceptional. He did this Amazing dance over the line. I don't know if you've seen that on yeah. social media. Oh, come on yeah. to it. it goes left, goes right, and off he goes again. You know, and that was just you know him all over. It's that sort of are you watching Eddie? But you know, clearly that, not. Was, that was an incredible piece of fullback play when he uh, when he when he did that. It was just such incredible feat, but vision as well to head up to understand what was in front of him. You know, we've talked about this several occasions about about Alex Goode, and and he is. He is a great player, and and who knows, post World Cup under a new regime, chances yeah. are he could well could well come back into the fold and and be hugely successful. Um, you mentioned Skelton before; he's really come into his own this season with you know Itoji and Cruz on international duty and injuries and stuff. You know the the talk that he's really slimmed down, or or you know he's lost quite a bit of timber to enable him to get around the park a little bit more. Has that been a notable difference for you from Skelton this season? Oh yeah, massively. He's just—it's just. I mean, he's a brand new signing you know, this year. That uh, he started last year, you know, getting better and better. But this year, just the work he must have put in over the summer himself to get in that condition and then get better during the season. And he just looks exceptional. Exceptional. Uh, and you know, no wonder Australia are talking about whether they could get him back. Um, but he seems happy here, um, and perhaps that's got a lot into it as well. That you know, he's settled. It takes time for some players coming across the world to settle into life over here. Uh, Heather, from a, from an extra perspective, it must have been fairly good news to hear that Brad Barrett may be missing it the weekend. Um, you know, have you got anybody from Saracens you pick out that Exeter would be, be really wary of, or is it just the, the absolute whole package? Yeah, I think that's the thing with Saracens. They are the whole package. Um, and even the players that you'd call second and third choice are just as good. So even if they haven't got the first choice, you're still worried. Um, yeah, I think it'd be quite a physical game. Um, so that'd be interesting to see what happens with the Fords. Um, but yeah, it'd be interesting to see the team sheets and uh, what happens there. Absolutely. Ben? James, do you uh, do you think they'll bring Rhodes back in at six or keep it as much as it was? I think if he's fit, they'll probably keep the team as was. Obviously, the doubt is more about Brad and Nick Tompkins coming in. Um, I think they'll probably keep the team as, as it is, actually. I think Rhodes brings that physicality impact off the bench as well you know looking at extras team sheet they've got plenty of power off the bench um and you know we'll need to match that as the teams get tired uh, in the second half 
Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll come on to the uh, what potential teams and, and what what we think might happen in the coaches' minds in a little while. Um, just finally on on Saracens, there's one player that I've been watching quite closely for a little while, and he has grown into what I think is a is an absolutely superb player. And you know, I would almost like to see him starting for England at the moment. You know, and that's a big call. Um, but purely based on on club form is Ben Spencer. He has been really, really impressive. And when you think of you know how Youngs has, has performed recently, you know he's, he sometimes tends to blow hot and cold in England shirt. Um, although when he is very good, he is you know world class. Um, again, could Ben Spencer be another one of those players post World Cup that that cements his place when players like Youngs potentially move on? Well, I think, um, I mean, he might even make it for this World Cup. I think he's obviously in Eddie Jones's thinking already and been called up for training and, and um, the games. I think, you know, he's an ama- incredible uh, performer. He's so lively and sharp-minded. So it reminds me, I, you know, Danny Kerr is still an exceptional player, but of, of Danny Kerr, that sort of looking for opportunities, breaking the line really quickly. He's a really sharp thinker. And, you know, he's got the, the Saracens box kick down to a tee as well. Um, but you know, I think he, he works really well, and and with uh, Wigglesworth, it works as a good pairing. Doing the same thing, you know, you one does fifty minutes, one does thirty minutes. Yeah, um, Ben, yeah. The, just going on to the um, the box kick. Are you are you going to going to talk about Spencer quickly? Uh, no, you carry on, mate. I no, was gonna... I was I was going to mention the the box kicking is something that it was almost like Gloucester. It was the first time Gloucester had seen them do it. Because they couldn't, they, in that first 20, 25 minutes, they could not deal with that box kick whatsoever. Marshall struggled, um, Sharple struggled, even um, Woodward struggled under the high ball a little bit. And that was that was mainly down to the you know exceptional execution that Spencer was able to put on the ball. Um, even the up and unders from, from Farrell, you know, you look at... Um, was it Lozowski? It was Lozowski. Did Lozowski take the ball and feed somebody else in for a try, or yeah. did he score? Yeah, Lozowski. Yeah, Lozowski yeah, went up with Cipriani to get the ball, and yeah, and, you know, every every kick there was a stat they would BT pulled out, and I've not seen them do it before, but it was all about contestable kicks, mm. and Saracens are the absolute masters at it. Their execution was was absolutely spot on. That kick chase. It's seeing seeing the first try that they got. That, you know, the ball looks like it's going out from the, the restart um, and Williams just leaps up and smacks it back. Uh, and we saw that against Leinster, saw that in the semi-final against Munster. You know, it's clearly a tactic of, of chase up, try and whack it back. Uh, and Williams just was fantastic getting that one, that ball back. Uh, and that, you know, I think it's not just the kick, it's the kick and the chase that makes it really effective. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, it won't be a surprise, I'm sure, to Exeter when they when we try it again, on, if we try it again on Saturday. I, I think Williams is the best back in Europe at the moment. I think he's been absolutely fantastic. But what, what I was going to say, Russ, is because we, we started to talk a little bit about the England argument and stuff. I, I wonder if this game might have put the Cipriani bandwagon to sleep a little bit. Because I think, I, I, I don't want to sort of come across that I don't rate him as a player. I think he's a fantastic player. But he's like any other fly half. When he's behind a pack that's getting beaten up, he's, He's so much less effective, and so so is Farrell, and so is Ford. And I think the key for England is to get their pack right because any of those three fly halves will play really well if England are getting go forward ball the way Saracens do. 
and the way Gloucester didn't at the weekend. So I think I, I wouldn't even have a problem with Cipriani being in the squad, but I don't think he's going to be sort of a panacea to, to solve all of England's problems. I think they really have to make a decision on that back row. I thought you were talking about ex-England and North Ants bowler then. Pan- oh, come on, Ben. You used oh, the word mate. panacea. Come on, Monty Panasar. Come on, mate. I can't believe I had to explain that. That is tenuous, mate. Absolutely tenuous. <laughs> come on. You'll edit that bit out, Ben. Ah, no. <laughs> Behind the curtain. <laughs> no, I, mean, I think... Mate, that's such a tough null sell, that is. Oh, mate, don't let's not get on to former English spin bowler puns. <laughs> Giles uh, be here all day. Yeah. It's taken a swan dive, isn't it, this podcast? <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> oh, there we go. Let's move on. Um, but you're right, Ben. I think you're right around the Cipriani debate. But, uh, but people will still go on about it. He'll have a couple of great games while the tournament's on and people will still be clamouring for, for him to be in the squad. Um, it's quite frankly a debate I'm, you know, I'm sick of. I mean, if he was in the squad and you brought him on in a, a tight game against France in the groups, it, it, it wouldn't be a bad option to have on the bench. But I can't see, you know, the way people are talking, he's like a cross between Johnny Wilkinson and Barry John and he's going to come in and win the World Cup on his own and that just isn't going to happen. I think it's the, the fact he's excluded from the squad, though, is the more curious thing. You know, he, he, he's got to warrant a place in the squad. You're right. He's not going to win the World Cup on his own, but he's shown all season just that, that vision and, and kicking ability. And you're right, behind a pack that's going forward, everyone looks better. The, th- the thing about <laughs> it is, and, and I'm sure you'll agree, I mean, you could have the same argument about Alex Good. Yep. Alex Good. And... The issue here, the issue is that Eddie's not going to pick them. Yeah. So that, so that's it. So why does yeah. everybody spend their time clamouring for him to be picked? It just, you know, it's it's not going to happen at the moment. It might happen in the future. Let it go for now. How many how many players have slipped through the net due to a coach not not liking them? Even not just in rugby, in football, in cricket, in whatever team sport. A coach comes in, your face doesn't fit. You bombed out the door. You go and be a success somewhere else, you know. Or you know, well, yes, Don, Ar- Don Armand's another, you know, in that camp as well, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Know? Everyone watching rugby seems to think, you know, what an amazing, brilliant player could because he is because you see it week in, week out, and yet for some reason, just not in people in Eddie's thinking. Lovely, James. You've almost done my job for me there. <laughs> Segwaying across to Exeter, um, down at Sandy Park on Saturday afternoon, Heather. Your beloved Exeter Chiefs took mm-hmm. on Northampton. Um, another another game where Exeter started really, really well. Like their first 10, 15 minutes was absolutely bob on. Um, but they they allowed Northampton to get back into it. So would that be a, a little bit of a failing on the Chiefs part or what, you know, good rallying from Northampton, do you think? Yeah, a bit of both, I think. I think Exeter almost had that great start and then relaxed into it and Saints were able to capitalise on that and get themselves back into it, um, which thankfully we went into half-time just that little bit ahead and we were able to come out and just shift all the gears and look like a fantastic team. But going in against Saracens does make me a bit nervous because if we have that kind of little blip, Saracens will com- will just get away from us and it will quickly become a one-sided game. 
So I think it's really important that Exodus kind of stay focused for the full 80 minutes and just from the off need to stay on top of it. Yeah, absolutely. Ben, um, from your point of view, um, the first half was was pretty nip and tuck and, you know, Northampton really started to get on top after that first, sort of first quarter. Yeah, they 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 managed to sort of play on their terms for a short for a short period of the game and um and look really good with it and i don't think it would have made them a lot of difference if Reinach had gone in under the post but that must have knocked a lot of stuffing out of them because i mean he was in um yeah. you know for the 12th week run in we got to say hutchinson played out of his skin he made that he made that break um but again Exeter have just got too much physical power. In the same way Saracens did for Gloucester, they they just couldn't live with them after a while. You know, Saints, they're just running into a brick wall and that just takes the toll. And and as uh, I think James said, you know, Exeter have got a lot of power to come off the bench as well. And um, yeah, they just, what they never got behind so they were never chasing it so they, they're the game's always an, in their terms i think you know maybe that Reinach try makes a difference maybe it doesn't but they do come out of half time at least having to chase the game a little bit which might have opened up a tiny bit more space for um for saints but you know saints haven't got anyone in that back row to match the sort of impact that Ewers is making or or even Kvesic nowadays and and we've spoken about Armand but I think that's the best he's played for for, for quite a long time he was excellent um and then um O'Flaherty's just scored a brilliant try didn't he and I think Moon deserves some credit there for he, he could have died with the ball and he, mm. he managed to offload it that that extra pack Heather before we go into that O'Flaherty try because I, I nearly got into a very heated argument with somebody over Matt Kvesic's role in that, um, which seemed to have gone gone sort of unnoticed, a, a bit of a, a a bit of a blocking jog line, should we say? But uh, you know, a bit of dark arts. It was yeah. it was that was very marginal, Russ. Absolutely, no, 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 no. So so that's my point. I thought it was marginal, nothing. He just yeah. he kind of just jogged in a general direction, but he knew exactly what he was doing. The type of thing that Richard Hill and Neil back, the type of thing that you know, or Sean O'Brien and um, you know those sorts of players have been doing for time immemorial. But yet, a Northampton, a really salty Northampton fan, you know, saying that it should have been bought back was uh, was quite embarrassing. Um, as if Tom Woods never done it in his life. So. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Exactly. I was going to say, right. Richie McCaw would have done that every yeah. single week he ever played. So. Just good back row play. Yeah. Um, what do you make, Heather, of um, Baxter sticking with uh, players like Simmons, even though Seenson's fit and available, um, and O'Flaherty over someone like Ollie Woodburn. There was a lot made of that decision pre-match and, and during the game, almost right up until the point where O'Flaherty, O'Flaherty um, streaked over for, for that amazing try. Yeah, and I think, again, he has absolutely proved himself. with the. I mean, he made up for the yellow card a bit earlier on as well, which is always good to do. Um, but I think, obviously, he's impressed during the week as well. He's in the training and in the lead up to it. And I think why not give the players these opportunities? Because by giving them the opportunity, 
that's kind of given them the confidence. The coaches are saying, we trust in you. And I think that lifts the players as well. And it's all the mind games, isn't it, that goes on off the field that can lead to a good performance on the field. Yeah, I sorry, I saw somebody say that he was he was on loan, wasn't he, at the Ospreys last season, I think, and he couldn't get a game for the Ospreys, so he was out on loan in, from them in club rugby because he couldn't get a game, and now he's you know now he's scoring tries like that in a in a Premiership semi final. I've sort of watched his his progress over the last couple of weeks. A uh, couple of weeks, okay, over the last couple of months, and he started off the season. He he looked quite lightweight, and he looked sort of a little bit rabbit in the headlights. But I think as those opportunities, as mm-hmm. we mentioned, have have come along, he's he's really grown into them. And you know, obviously now someone backs the trusts to uh, to play in the big games. Yeah, and I think that's um, credit to Baxter and what the setup of Exeter is. They're able to take these players that might not be performing so well in other teams and just turn them into something brilliant. I mean, Alex Cuthbert, he's been so good and was really good at the game at the weekend. Um, but yeah, who would have thought it? He was actually. Yeah. Cuthbert was very good. Yeah. And and he has been, you know, every time that I've seen extra on telly and he's played, he he has been really, really good. Back to the the Alex Cuthbert that was scoring mm-hmm. superb tries for Wales. And, and that's the the player we're hoping Exeter got when they signed him. Um, again, there was another sort of shift sort of seminal moment in this game just after half time um Simmons and Noel chasing back on Tom Collins I think I genuinely I mean they didn't play it back very much but I think Collins foot might have been in touch um before he kicked the ball through um but still Simmons managed to track him Noel got back over so he didn't carry the ball back and then all of a sudden a couple of penalties later and Dave Dennis is uh is crashing over from a few phases after a line out. It just goes to show those those really small margins. And once Exeter got their foot on the on the Northampton necks, it was it was all over from there, wasn't it? Yeah, and as an Exeter fan, that's exactly what I want to see. The players are hungry for it, constantly hunting out for it, and then those little moments that's what win you the games. Well, that'll be that'll be the moments that uh, that certainly count at the weekend. Yeah. Um, We've mentioned, obviously, O'Flaherty's brilliance of his try just showed out-and-out out gas. We mentioned Ben Moon and, and Kvesic's role in that as well. Um, but again, there were there were people calling, oh, why didn't they Why didn't they track him down? He ran past this, he ran past that. He actually, he he, he sprint, out-sprinted, I think it was bigger, yeah. and one of the back rows, I think it might have been, who were never, ever going to catch him for pace. You know, he is very quick, but those guys are just not, are not going to get anywhere near him. Um, and then it was time for, for the replacements and uh, Sim- Sam Simmons. Great to see Sam Simmons coming back right at the uh, the perfect time as far as Exeter concerned. Yeah, great timing. He scored a try as well. So hopefully he'll be confident going into the final two. Just it's all coming together at the right time. So just fingers crossed on Saturday. Absolutely, yeah. for your sake, and you know we all, we all know where my uh, where my allegiance lies. But um, we mentioned we do we talk about Sam Simmons. There. He looked really hungry. He he had the ball. He carried hard. He looked he looked quick. You know when you see somebody when they got the ball in hand, he was he was running at people at pace, which is something that doesn't happen quite so much nowadays in those close quarters we talked to Ben we talked earlier in the season about Alex Dombrandt doing it and accelerating into players and using sort of faster feet and power as opposed to 
as opposed to sort of brute brute force. Um, good for you to see Sam Simmons back on the pitch. Yeah, I, I definitely think so. I mean, we spoke, was it last week or the week before, you know, that given an injury in England's back row, he might have a chance for the World Cup still if he can keep fit. And he's something a little bit different. I think, you know, if we start to talk about the final, I think if Exeter just try and go toe-to-toe with Saracens in the same way that Leinster did, it's it's not going to work for him. And I think if they can maybe get Simmons in and Cordero back, that might give them something a little bit different just to just to try maybe a bit more pace rather than if you get into a into trench warfare, it's it's gonna be so difficult because both teams are extremely powerful. But I think Saracens have slightly sort of more more sort of dynamic power, if you see what I mean. I think, you know, Billy from a standing start will will still make quite a lot of ground and a Toje can be a bit of a wrecking ball you've got you've got players like that whereas I think if X to try that the same thing it won't work for them I think they need to use the pace that they do have and and get a bit creative yeah I'd be inclined to agree um so from the from the starting 15 from from Saturday Heather do you see any any real changes in in what Rob Baxter's gonna do for for Twickenham I don't think so. I think we'll stick pretty similar to what we've done because it, it, it looked it looked a solid team out there. Um, I guess it depends on Simmons, how his fitness and everything's been in the week. But yeah, I think it's we've got a solid bench as well. And yes, yeah, stick with our 15. Is it was... Cordero out? Sorry, is Cordero definitely out or is he? I've, yeah, I've not seen an, I've not seen an update actually as to where that is. So Baxter was very coy about it over the last couple of weeks, isn't he? He was saying he he was winning his race and he was he was likely to be considered for selection and and all this sort of stuff. But you don't know how much of that is you know mind games. You don't know how much of it is you know make Saracens plan for something that might or might not be there. Um, I mean, it would be a shame for Exeter and for for Cordero if he had played his last game. Um, for the Chiefs because he has been, you know, he's been phenomenal and he he really has sort of lit up the Premiership with his carries and his orange boots and uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it will be a shame to see him go, Heather. Yeah, I'm gut- gutted he's going. I can't believe we're losing him as a player. Yeah, but but a fairly adequate replacement in Stuart Hogg, so you can't be too disappointed. <laughs> can't have it all. I know. I don't know what you're laughing about, James. You've got bloody Elliot Daly coming in. <laughs> Uh, yeah, pretty pretty handy um, new signing. Uh, pretty pleased with that. I mean, yeah. it, is, it is slightly difficult to see exactly where he fits into the squad, um, given that you've got uh, Lozowski coming out into form, and you know uh, Bailey would probably still be going away with England, and so. Uh, but you know, it's a pretty nice jewel to have in the um, yeah squad. But you could find yourself in a position where uh, where Lozowski, Daly, Farrell, you know, are all disappearing with England anyway. You know, if 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 Lozowski keeps playing the way he has done, you know, he he is really going toe to toe with Henry Slade for that thirteen shirt, isn't he? Yeah, he he has really come on the last part of the season. Just that bringing back the form, I think confidence, perhaps. I think Slade's still in the. The, the driving seat for the number 13 shirt for England and he's done nothing wrong with England at all so you know I, I'd be surprised for him to be dropped um, but uh, yeah it's certainly good for Eddie to have those two players and more obviously but those two in particular to choose from 
And while we're talking about potential, you know, to England, England selection or uh, or players on the fringes of England, someone who never ever gets a mention for any sort of England call up and has probably been the most consistent hooker in the Premiership this season is Jack Yendel. Now, everyone talks about Luke Cowan-Dickey and what he offers, and, and he does have that X factor about him. Um, but if you look across the Premiership, week in, week out, and obviously we, we can remove Jamie George a touch because he's away on international duty, but you'd struggle to find a more consistent hooker, um, not just at set-piece, but all around the field than Jack Yendel, Heather. Yeah, he is, isn't he? He's just that steady hand... Um... Yeah, I don't know why not on the radar at all for England, but we like that. It means we've got him all year at the Chiefs for our line out. Um, yeah, good player. I've seen him. I've seen him in some people's teams of the year. So you know, he's clearly been an exceptional performer. But again, just another mystery is it base doesn't fit too many yeah. players from one squad. I don't know. Well, Jamie George made the team of the year. I, I don't know what his stats are on premiership appearances. Maybe I should have looked that up. But, you know, Jamie, Jamie George has been great when he's played, but I can't have seen he's played that many premiership games. I was uh, I was listening to our friend Eddie Stevens' pod uh, from last week, and he was he was talking about if the Saxons still existed. Yeah. And, and you, you could make a, quite a good argument, if, if you named the Saxons team, for, for Yendall to be captain. Yeah, um, you know, and 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 as sort of a leader, he's he's you know captain in the side as well. I you know, and I think he's just um, just an archetypal sort of club player, isn't he? As in, like reliable, um, would certainly do a job in an England shirt. You know, he might not as be as dynamic as the other two sort of guys in the squad at the moment, but he's almost like a sort of um, I don't want to make this sound rude, but he's almost sort of like a slightly. Um, Go on, Ben, say uh, it. Sort of bargain, a bargain Rory Best. Is that fair? I think that's a bit harsh, but <laughs> I know what you're, I know what you're yeah. saying. It's very yeah, similar sort saying. of player. He is like that steady player and perhaps people yeah. don't think he's got that kind of flair to step up. Uh, may, and, maybe, such, and maybe that's what people think he lacks and they look past the the stats where he is consistent and yeah. overlook that bit. I think as a hooker, he's as good as anyone. It's the, the extra bits some of these other hookers do. Mm-hmm. George is sort of ball handling and the way he gets around the pitch. You've got um, Cowan Dickey is a really heavy ball carrier and, and wins more than his share of turnovers, whereas Yendall gets on with his job and does it really, really well. And I didn't want that that dis- that description of best to come across as negative. No, just... no, no. He does all the other stuff. He does all that, Yendel, but maybe just not as visibly. When yeah. Luke Cowan Dickey makes a turnover, getting over the ball like a like a seven would, everybody knows about it. You see it. Whereas potentially, if Jack Yendel makes a turnover like that, everyone goes, "Oh yeah, well played, Jack Yendel," and it all just that? kind of. Do you think it's about media focus though? So if more people were saying it about Yendel then it becomes more prominent and people, because Jamie George got talked up a lot, you know, and uh, and then suddenly, and Luke Karen Dickey gets talked up a lot. And yet Yendall seems to be, you know, just playing just as well or, you know, in, in the same bracket. I suppose both of those were in very um, successful under-20s teams, weren't they? Mm. Um, so, you know, they've got hype about them from the, the age of 19, whereas Yendall's, 
perhaps come come the sort of traditional way up through the club more more so. So yeah, there's been less sort of press focus on him than than perhaps on the other two. Either way, you know there are going to be some some fantastic fantastic players on show at the weekend at Twickenham. Two giants of English rugby, the two best teams. Let's make no bones about that. Both teams that get or have been criticised in some portions of the media. I've seen Stuart Barnes has criticised Exeter and the way they play. Uh, what do you make of that, Heather? Yeah, um, no comment on that. <laughs> and, yeah, uh, let's, let's not call us boring. Anyway. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think that's so unfair. It's so, so unfair. I mean, all right, they score a few tries from short range, but you've got to get within range first. <laughs> But both teams, so Saracens and to both get called boring. Yeah. But score the most points in the Premiership. You know, they actually, is it boring to be scoring all the time? I know. I mean, it's it's a problem I'd like to have. You know, ironically, there's a lot of ironic cheering at Saracens from the Saracens fans about boring, boring Saris after we've scored another attacking bonus point. You know, it's just, <laughs> the it's, Irish. It's just, you know, I think, you know, it, it, it's a big, it's too st- stereotyping them. It's slapdash approach not to look at a fantastic attack and you know, attacking defense as well but attack that goes into contributing those tries you know it's as if they just grunt every try over well it's not not like that at all and you've got you've got to applaud the the way they both teams go about things and i know you know doug likes to uh to put his two pennies in and, and have a little bit of a you know, a, a bit of a poke the bear at Saracens. Yeah. Um, you, you might have noticed, yeah. but um, you've got to say you've got to applaud the way that both teams approach approach their game plans. Now, Exeter have got that unerring confidence to go for the corner time and time and time again. They their their penalty kick percentage taken is much lower than most other teams in the premiership because they back themselves they back their skills to go and come away with at least five points as opposed to just taking three whereas whereas saracens in a, in a slightly different way like the the boa constrictor as, as we've mm. called them previously they literally they they suffocate opposition until they just are dead on their feet and then make them look silly in the last sort of half an hour of games and, and rack up absolute crazy scores. I mean, on the they were 20, what was it, 27-7 up, 28-7 up just into the second half or five or six minutes into the second half and, and Owen Farrell's kicking for posts. Yeah, you, yeah. I think you particularly enjoyed that, Ben, trying to take fantastic. three points. I, I enjoyed that so much, yeah. And it, it's, just, um, it's just a statement, isn't it? It's like, it's like there's going to be no risks taken here. We're going to, I know they missed that. They actually missed both, didn't they? But you're hardly losing out because that, that wind that was, was obviously quite strong. So all it did was, was push, the, push them back into their own 22 again. And both teams, I'd say nearly every game they play, they probably win eight to nine out of 10 of the contacts that they're in. They're knocking people backwards in defence and attack. And that just takes such a physical toll on the team that they're playing. And that's why they score a lot of late points, because they've, they've completely worn out the opposition. And um, it's not to everyone's taste, but I thoroughly, I'm going to thoroughly enjoy it on Saturday. And I think they're fortunate by both things being able to bring on really strong benches. You, know, Exeter, you look at Exeter's lineup from, from um, Saturday, and the bench is just as strong as the starting players. F- fortunate or good accountants? 
Uh, good, good recruitment. Excellent <laughs> recruitment. Uh, okay, so the final on Saturday. Saracen, or Exeter versus Saracens or Saracens versus Exeter? Exeter first, because they're, they're, yeah. they're the home team. They're the, they're the, the league winners. The league winners. What? How do you see it playing out in your in your in your head first, Heather? How do you see it playing out? I think we've got to stay ahead. Whatever we do, just need to stay ahead because once Saracens get that momentum, they're so dangerous. Um, yeah, so I'd like like to see us start strong, start quick, and then just keep it ticking over from there. Don't let don't let them at it. Yeah. And James, for you, in your in your head rather than your heart. <laughs> uh, yes, difficult to combine, difficult to split the two up slightly. Uh, but I think um, you know it would be nice to to go ahead first rather than go behind like we did against Leinster, go behind like we did against Gloucester, and have to sort of kickstart going down, going from behind. But I think Exeter are stronger than Munster, stronger than Gloucester, stronger than uh, Leinster. You know they, they are an incredible squad as well as just the team of 15 on the pitch. Um, so I think, you know, we've, we've come out top twice before, um, but, you know, both games pretty hard, you know, very hard for efforts. Um, so it will, we'll be really pleased to win. Over the whole season, Exeter have come out on top. Um, so, you know, it's tough to come to the playoff final and try and beat them. Um, yes, European champions, but that's a different competition, you know, different format. Uh, this one is um, another massive tie. I don't know how much how confident anyone would be putting money on the final, you know, because it's just so unpredictable. Interesting, Ben. What about you? Any any final comments? I think Exeter will need to think quite carefully about their back three. Um, I think if Cordero is fit, I would probably put him in at fullback, just just to almost make it. Saracens think twice about kicking quite as much as, as as they will do. I think they'll they'll be very keen to try and turn Cuthbert in particular if he plays, because he's a good player going forward, but he's traditionally been one that sort of doesn't turn too well. Um, I, I think if it, I think Saracens probably are even more powerful than Exeter in terms of in collisions, and I do think Exeter will try should try and and mix it up a little bit um, and don't get into a sort of battle. Um, my money would be on Saracens. Sorry, Heather. And uh, give give me a score prediction, Ben. Or or a winning margin. By 12. Ooh. Heather, neck on yeah. the line. I think it's going to be really, really close, but I'm going to go extra by six points. Oh, James. Uh, well, previous games, 28, 20, 28, 10, 27-10, I think the finals. I think similar-ish score as the first one, probably something like 28-20 or 20-21. Uh, so Sarri's by seven, I think. Um, probably too too close to feel comfortable, to, certainly towards the final whistle, um, because, you know, both times, particularly the team with Jack Nolan, you can never, never rest for a second because he's just so lively. I think Exeter probably ought to get after Saracen's scrum as well. I think that might be an area they might want to attack. What? Why is that then? Just uh, without Mako in there, I've, I've, I sometimes think I've seen Saracen's scrum sort of creak a few times um, mm. in the league. 
Uh, I know Saracens are sometimes a different kettle of fish in a knockout game, but um, you know, if there's any area that they've looked a little bit vulnerable over the years, you know, if Exeter can milk a few penalties at the scrum, get themselves in your 22 a few times, they they are, you know, a good mauling side, and and once they do get in range, they are going to get some points eventually. Mm. Um, so I think that would be an area to go for. Certainly, Maco yeah, but... being out is disappointing. We've got Barrington, who, who looked very good in the European final as well, coming on. He's, he's again, a bit like Nick Tompkins. that never doesn't get the, the plaudits, but he's a three-times European champion, I think a three-times league winner. You know, the guy, <laughs> guy's got 170-odd appearances in Saracens. You know, he, he's, he's good, not just in the, the party afterwards. You know, he's a good uh, guy to have on the pitch uh, and, you know, clock on the other side. Um, uh, um, uh, <laughs> that was how very childish. I, I couldn't help myself. <laughs> We've got um, so, but you know, well, it was interesting seeing the semi-final having Ralph Adams Hale, who's got a young guy as the backup um, prop. So you know that there isn't the debt isn't hasn't been quite as strong. So lock, you know, one of our locks goes out. There's a lot of other locks that are coming of a really good standard. And prop, we just seem to have fewer in the squad. Um, so. I think front row is definitely a battle. You look at basically the England front row playing for Exeter and the second England front row. Yeah. You've, got, you've got a front row on the bench as well. Um, so, uh, you know, it certainly would be, I'm sure, the focus of a lot of the coaching this week is that how to, to try to nullify or reduce the threat of the Exeter front row. Uh, I wouldn't be, you know, it would be a miss of me not to put my own neck on the line after you... Uh, or bringing out your prediction, so I think I think it'll be tight, like like Heather said, and I'm gonna say Chiefs are gonna do it by five. I, oh. I I'm I'm gonna say Chiefs by five, um, and that's a heart and a head prediction. <laughs> um, so if you're listening, let us know what your uh, what your thoughts are on the final. Let us know what your predictions are, and. Uh, you know the best best prediction. I've got some. I've still got some Canterbury stuff under my desk at work that I've not given away. So whoever uh, predicts at Mallover Podcast predicts the closest to the correct score, I will send them some Canterbury kit from under my desk that's still in its packaging. So don't worry about that. Um, right, you guys have obviously listened to the pod before. We come to the end little bit of any other business i was hoping that you, you might have had a little think about it or even not is there anything going on in day-to-day life that's winding you up that's making you happy that's that's thinking you know you, you want to get off your chest uh heather have you got anything any any other business non-rugby related that you want to that you want to talk about i haven't had time to think about this no i don't think Strong. i have life is good yeah, life's good. Going to Twickenham at the weekend. I am going to Twickenham at the weekend. Yeah, weather's supposed to be good, so going to be a great day out. Fantastic. Yeah. James, any other business from you? Yeah, well, it's definitely packed sun cream time at uh, the weekend. It's going to be fantastic on Saturday. Uh, so I, um, I guess off the top of my head, I think in uh, the other final that's little final that's going on on Saturday, um, in the football, Spurs Liverpool, um, and uh, you know, interesting to see. And obviously, there's Chelsea, Arsenal in, you know, relatively travel purposes, middle of nowhere tomorrow. Um, so I guess it'll be just to hopefully we can pick good venues for future European 
a rugby um, a title uh, places uh, finals as well. So it was so in Marseille next year. Yeah, Marseille against Spurs. Yeah, in Tottenham Stadium. I think hopefully they they could look for a final somewhere else uh, very accessible. Uh, let's not take it to Georgia or Baku again. But uh, um, but yeah. So ho- hopefully for, hoping for a Liverpool win. That is no, we're not. But yeah, we are. We'll, we'll, yeah. we'll move we, on from that. We really are. Um, well, yeah, it is ridiculous, isn't it? That that whole Baku, Azerbaijan, two English teams. I mean, whoever had qualified, it's not going to be an Azerbaijani team. Mm. <laughs> so you know, it's it's football and politics gone absolutely mental, as far as I'm concerned. But there you go. That's something that uh, that we can't control. Ben, absolutely. Did... So there was one other any other business. Uh, it was just to, just to say to Doug, um, you know, he doesn't have to hide his love for Saracens anymore. <laughs> the next time he comes on, just declare it, make it clear. He's hiding from you today, James. He yeah. said, I, "I can't come on. I can't face him." And that's, <laughs> but uh, yeah, hopefully, I'm sure he'll, he'll listen, and he'll, uh, I'm sure he'll be in touch after on Saturday. Um, obviously, he only has access to them all over Twitter, so uh, I think you might guess from from the tone of any potential tweets who who is in charge of the account. Um, I, for one, hope Spurs win on Saturday as a Spurs fan. So we'll just we'll just get that out of the way. Ben, any other business from you? Um, no, not really. Oh, look, this is this is boring, but that's fine. That's fine. I'm going to just say one thing then. Um, oh, no, I've got one. Oh, go has, any, has anyone seen this uh, this face swap app that makes <laughs> that makes men, men into women? It, yeah. men into yeah. women. I'm surprised. I'm a, I make a surprisingly attractive woman. Says who? <laughs> Says, literally, I've shown everyone in the office. I was absolutely delighted. <laughs> Um, so Ben is going to, for those of you, you've got to tweet that, surely. Yeah, I'm, gonna, gonna I'm totally going to do that. Yeah, and, and I'll tweet mine as well because it's one of the scariest things you've ever seen. <laughs> <laughs> have, you, have you tried it, Heather? Have you tried it? Yeah, I have tried it. Of course, I have. Yeah, oh, so you I need look to like my dad. Yours. So yeah. you need to tweet yours, James. Have you got Snapchat? Have you tried it? Oh, I don't, I don't have Snapchat. I'm far too old for that. Yeah. <laughs> well, probably I am yeah. too. But... I don't know. I, I don't get Snapchat. I had to get someone to do it for me and then send me the picture. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll tw- I'll, tweet, I'll tweet mine. Ben can tweet his and uh, you can all let us know what you think about how scary it is. Um, my only other business, randomly, uh, after all the, the hype about line of duty over the last eight weeks or so, I know it finished a couple of weeks ago, I decided that it was time to uh, to get on board, and I watched all. I watched four series in Netflix in just over a week, and uh, we're now on to the series that's just aired. Oh my shit! What? How have I not watched this before? Oh, it, it's, totally it's, it's brilliant! It's amazing. We I've just discovered it uh, belatedly as well. We watched two series. What an amazingly scripted drama! So are you are you like still behind watching it on Netflix as well? Oh yeah, yeah. We're, we've just finished series two. Well, just coming to the end of series two. Um, uh, uh, yeah, uh, it's just amazing. It's so well written. It's so well acted. It twists and turns. And you know what? Key for me is how many dramas. I mean, people have, have moaned on about the ending of Game of Thrones. How good is it that they've got five or six episodes, concise story, nice and tight, get in, get out, get it done, and still leave you wanting more? It's just incredible. Yeah, and and they've got the courage to just let you sort of use your own intelligence with those long sort of interview scenes, which are just brilliant. And yeah, you, you know, you, 
it just sort of trusts the viewer to have a bit of patience with it. That series you're on at the moment, James, that Keely Hawes is incredible, isn't she? Oh, she's brilliant, yeah. And we've, we've been sort of going to and fro whether she is good or bad or innocent or guilty or, you know, and it's sort of every episode it seems to flip, you know, when we're watching it. It's yeah. just, Jen Bacurio is an amazing writer. I've just, I've literally watched four series in about a week and probably because they've all merged into one now. With the series two, is that the one where, oh, is that the, the one where they set the car on fire? Yeah, yeah, at yeah, the start. Yeah. There's an ambush at the start. Yeah. yeah, 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 that's it. That's fine. Heather, have you watched Line of Duty? <laughs> no, I haven't. No, oh, wow. I, I am looking to start it, yeah. Get on. No spoilers here. This is, this is no spoilers. More over podcast. Um, right. That's about it for this week. James and Heather, thank you so much for joining us. Obviously, I know how much you'll love sharing and you share already the podcast from your accounts anyway. Best of luck for the weekend. Have an amazing day out at, at Twickenham, whatever the uh, whatever the result for both teams. I know what I want, but as a impartial rugby podcast host, I will I will remain professional. Um, it will certainly be a fantastically fantastic game of rugby between the two best sides in England. So whoever comes out on top will have will have deserved it by the end of uh, by the end of eighty minutes. That's for sure. So thank you for joining us this evening. Ben, thanks for coming on as well. We'll catch up next week. Um, if you guys are free, we might even we might even try and get you back on next week for a uh, post bit of post final analysis. Um, but other than that, it just to say remains to say good luck and uh, and go well. Thank you. Podcast Network.